Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. I'm asking that your word would shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Please be seated and open your Bible to Isaiah chapter number four, Isaiah chapter number four. You know, if you're new to our church, I just want to give you a heads up. Some places teach on, some people teach on like a series synopsis. I'm not necessarily as much as a series teacher as I am a, a topical teacher. I like to get in a topic and I like to squeeze all the oil we can out of us that we might be changed by the word of God. You know, there, there are studies out there and you can look them up that say it takes thousands and thousands of hours to become a master at something. So a lot of times we need to get very repetitive in, in, in rolling around the word of God and, and, and gleaning from the word of God. So I like to get on a topic and I like to just, to just teach it and teach it and teach it and uncover uh, new elements of it. But it's more important for me, it's more important to me that you understand and can utilize the word of God than it is to just deliver from a new title every week. Can you say amen to that? Matter of fact, I'll never forget. I was, I was, I've only been a pastor now for eight years. It's the only church I've ever been a pastor of. And, uh, I remember our church was about six months old and, and we were in a, a different place, a much smaller place and we were leasing it. And I remember I, I preached the sermon and, and I'm, I'm kind of a, I, I'm, I'm what you might call a Bible nerd. I, I really like going to the depths of the Bible. When I say I love the Bible, I'm not just saying that. I am in love with the Word of God. The Word of God is, is the, the power that is available to you and me that we can activate the kingdom of God uh, now like it's going on in heaven. It is the power that we can go through to activate that in our life right now. So I am, I'm very committed to the Bible. I love the Word of God. And, and, and again, I can really geek out about the Word of God. I love to just go into the depths of it. And I remember about six months into starting the church, I preached a message and I used all kind of words I couldn't pronounce well. Come on, somebody. Because I'm from East Texas and, and Greek and Hebrew is not taught where I'm from. And I, so I had all these Greek words and I was teaching them and I got done and I just, I, I felt so strong in my spirit. I was like, my God, the word of God is so amazing. Praise the Lord. And the Lord said to me, he said, did you enjoy that? <laughs> and I thought, yeah, uh, I kind of did. Like, like I just preached the word of God and I used Greek and Hebrew to do it. And the Lord said to me, he said, can they use that Monday? And I thought, hold the phone. He said, can they use what you taught them on Monday? I thought, well, I don't know about that. And it changed a lot of how I teach, but it mainly changed me. Because more important than anything else to me, when you sit here and you give me your attention for a half an hour, is that you have something that you can use tomorrow that you can use today, that you can apply to your life. So when we're talking about a bigger shadow, don't let your ears get calloused. Don't let your understanding get calloused. 
You can hear a concept, you can hear a truth from the word of God and you can change immediately and God can shift the entire, the entire paradigm of your life based off the power of his word. The Bible says in Isaiah four and six, it says there shall be a shadow, a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and a place of refuge, place for uh, a place of refuge and for cover from storm and rain. We as a church are going to build a bigger shadow, a larger tabernacle right here on this property. And we're going to see the hand of God move. But there must be a place called there for every person. For you, I don't know where it was, but, and maybe it's this morning. Maybe you're, you're new to church. Maybe you're new to God. Maybe you, you've never given your life to Jesus. And today is the day when this is going to become the there for you. It's going to become the place where your life changes. It's going to become the place where something shifts or, or something, something, something changes on the inside of you, which mandates a change on the outside of you. It may be some, it may be a place today for you where your whole life is different. And now every generation under you is going to be different. There has to be a there, but the reality is for there to be a there, there must be a cause. And for you and for me, more importantly than knowing exactly what we are going to do. You have to know why we are going to do it. Because if you know what to do, that can sometimes become an inhibitor in your life. Just this weekend, I was working on a project with my son. He's 11 years old. He's very intuitive. He has kind of a a real mathematical fix-it type mind. And and we were working through some, uh, working through a project together. And he kept going, well, how do I do this? And how do I do this? Show me how to do this. And I was showing him. But then I told him, I said, now, baby boy, listen to me. It is very important that you see how I do it. But it's more important that you know why I'm doing it. Because a lot of times you can get bound by the how and never understand the why. And if you get those out of order, you may be doing the same thing over and over again, never knowing why. And sooner or later, that's called religion. Sooner or later, you'll take on a form of godliness, but you'll deny the power thereof. Because you know what to do, you just don't know why to do. I remember... There was, a, there was a story I read one time of a lady and she cooked good pot roast. Matter of fact, she cooked incredible pot roast. And so she would cook it and she started like this. She would take it, she would cut the pot roast in half. She'd put uh, salt and pepper on it. She'd put it in the pot. She'd add some other ingredients. She'd cook it real low and slow for a long time. And every time that people came over to her house, she would cook this one particular meal because she knew it was just gonna be uh, uh, out of the park. It was gonna be amazing. And, and one time somebody came over and they said, hey, this is the best pot roast I've ever had. They said, but I gotta ask you, why do you cut the pot roast in half? And she said, well, that's a great question. I don't know. My mom taught me how to cook the pot roast. She showed me exactly how to cook the pot roast. So she called her mom. She said, mom, she said, I had some people over to the house. We had, I did the pot roast is exactly how you showed me to do it. It was a home run, just exactly how it's always been. She said, but I don't understand. They asked me, they said, why do we cut the pot roast in half? It dawned on me. I never thought, why do we cut the pot roast in half? So I'm asking you, mom, why do we cut the pot roast in half? She said, oh, baby. She said, I only cut the pot roast in half because I never had a pot big enough to hold one. In other words, she knew exactly how to do it, but she didn't know why she was doing it. See, 
When, when you know the why behind it, your whole life changes. When you, when, when the why gets big enough in your life, you'll do anything. My, my wife, Crystal, you guys may know her, Pastor Crystal. She's phenomenal. She's around here somewhere all the time doing something. And she probably has a baby in her arm. She loves children, but she, she does not like snakes. I don't blame her. I don't like snakes much either. Matter of fact, our entire married life has been a, a, a segment of one of these two things. It's either me waiting on her to call to kill a snake or me killing her snake because she already called me. This is Texas. You may, we had a snake in our garage the other day. I said, what happened to it? They said, we killed it. I said, praise the Lord. These kids are getting good. But she, she would call me and say, kill the snake. And now, now granted, we had a lot of snakes around because we always had chickens. And, and the, the snakes would come and try to eat the eggs. Then we would kill the snakes. It was just, it's just a cycle, just constantly. Because I guess when you live on a little house on the prairie, that's the way it goes. But praise the Lord. We had snakes because we had chickens. And one day, one day she sends me, she doesn't call me. She just sends me a picture of her holding up a dead snake. I said, well, who killed the snake? She said, I did. I said, who? You? She said, yeah, me. I said, you killed the snake. She said, yeah, I killed the snake. I said, I didn't think you would be around the snake. She said, it was close to my babies. It was where the kids were playing. So the why overtook all of the fear involved. See, when the why gets big enough, there's nothing you won't do. The reason we're going to build this, the reason we're going to build this tabernacle for God is because there's people that don't know our king yet. The reason we're going to build this tabernacle for our God is because there's people that are still bound by the shadow that they're under right now, not knowing that they can reside under the shadow of the Almighty. See, everybody's just kind of under their own shadow. I'll give you a couple of examples quickly. You can be in the shadow of your past. Maybe somebody said something about you, and it just never, you never got out from under that shadow. Maybe it's the cynical thoughts in your head that keep reminding you of how many times you failed. Maybe it's the insecurities that seem to plague mankind to try to remind us, to try to convince us that we can't do a thing. Maybe it's somebody else's insecurity that you've been under. Here's a couple of ways to know you might be under a different shadow. Don't look around when I say these, please. You're always cynical. You can never just say a positive thing without adding a but. I'll tell you what pessimistic people hide behind. They hide behind the concept that they are realist. Oh, I'm not pessimistic. I'm just, I'm just being real. You're not being real. You're being rude most of the time. And it's because you're under a shadow of an insecure thought process that makes you feel like you have to explain everything as if everybody cares what you really think. I figured since it's going to be quiet, I'd go ahead and preach, Jake. Here's another sign that you're under a different shadow. You hide behind sarcasm all the time. Because if you're sarcastic, you can always say, I was just kidding, when you really meant a little dig with it. No, I, I was just kidding. And all the time, 
And before long, it becomes like the kick of your leg when a doctor taps you with the small rubber hammer. It becomes a reflex. Sarcasm just rolls out of you and you haven't made a sincere statement in years. You don't say, I love you. You say, you know I love you. Because there's something that that is stopping you from being the purest version of yourself because of the shadows that you find yourself under. The shadow of a marriage gone wrong. It's been 10 years since you've been been divorced, but you still feel like everybody's looking at you like there goes that person that failed in their marriage. While God's saying, there goes my son, there goes my daughter. Why are they hanging their head down? It's a different shadow. Another could be just just the, the, the constant state of feeling like you have to describe your position on a topic. Whether you lean towards Fox News or CNN... If you're under the wrong shadow and you can't have a conversation with somebody that doesn't agree with you about all these 10 points of interest, it's your insecurity, not theirs. One of my favorite scriptures to lean on is the government is on his shoulders. It's not on mine. It's not on a donkey. It's not on an elephant. It's on a lamb. You see, the shift comes when you decide, I'm not going to be marked anymore. I'm not going to live under these different shadows. And you decide, even if it costs me later, I'm going to love today. Because the only way to never be hurt is to never love. But if you've ever been a parent, you know you can't love and not hurt. There's nothing that you can do to separate the two indefinitely. But love makes the pain worth it. Maybe we don't talk about this enough in church. But love is what makes the pain bearable. Jesus died on the cross, but he decided in the garden. Nevertheless, thy will be done. Same blood was pouring out of him whenever he was just thinking about you. Then when they drove nails in his hands, the Bible says his sweat poured like drops of blood. The same when he was just thinking about going through the concept and the crucible of the cross, blood was flowing. Did you know just thinking about something can stop you from doing it? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if they think this? What if they say this? What if they tell me no? What if I get turned down? What if I fail? What if, what if, what if, what if God comes through on a level you've never seen before? 
What if he changes every family on your block because you've decided to stop making Jesus some top secret mission and you actually take him where he belongs, which is every single place you ever go? What if your entire existence changes because you get out of these little shadows and you put yourself under a bigger shadow and you decide, though he slay me, yet will I serve him? What would happen if you give your whole life? I'm plagued with this concept that becoming a Christian is a decision. I understand it, but I disagree with the context. It's not a decision. It's a conversion. It's I'm choosing to follow Christ, but in the process of that, I'm laying my life down and picking up his. It's an exchange. That's why, that's why when something happens and and, and you feel the cause of Christ rise up inside of you, all of a sudden it's the only pure form of satisfaction this side of heaven is whenever you are in line with the will of God. You're loving your family. You're loving your husband. You're loving your wife. You're loving your children. You're loving the things of God. You're faithful to the house of God. You're telling people about Jesus. You're, you can't walk by. I, I, I can't tell you how many times this happened. I was in Houston the other day. We were eating in a nice restaurant and I go walking and I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. And, and, and there was somebody and they came up in my spirit. We had just, just met him. All he did was ask him to take a picture of us. We asked him to take a picture. They said, yes, I'm walking by. And all of a sudden I thought, I don't know if they know you, Jesus. I said, baby, I got them almost to the car where I can see the car. So they get in the car. We had some people with us. I said, go, here you go, baby. Here's the keys. I'll be right back. She's gotten now where she knows what I'm going to do. So she doesn't say, hey, where are you going? She just says, okay. She goes, she gets in the car, I walk back over. I said, hello there. I said, we met just a minute ago. I said, yeah, sure did. I said, listen, I said, this has got to tell you something. I don't know if you know him yet, but literally Jesus Christ changed my whole life. The guy just stepped back, kind of put his head down. He goes, whoa. I said, yeah. I said, he changed my whole life. I said, and I appreciate you taking a picture and, and, and I appreciate you taking a picture of us. And it was cool. I said, but, but I gotta know. I said, have you met him yet? Because before you've ever thought about him, he was thinking about you. He loves you more than you could write about in a million books. He's in love with you. He said, this is crazy, man. I said, tell me. He said, I just recently met him. I said, what? He said, I can't believe you're coming to me now. He said, because I felt so alone. He said, and then something happened and somebody took me to church. He said, and when I got to church, they started talking about him and I knew I had to meet him. I said, and I've recently given my life for him. He said, and I'm telling you, you coming back and talking to me is confirmation that he loves me. And I just want to say thank you. Now, this is a conversation I got going on with him, but he's on a date. And, and, and she's sitting there looking like this, like, because she's never seen this side of him. I said, what's your name? She told me, I said, that's a beautiful name. I said, did you, did you know he knows your name? I said, he's thinking about you. I said, he loves you. He has his hand on you. He wants good things for you. I said, are you aware of him? She said, I'm aware of him. I said, let me tell you a little bit. And then God just opened up this beautiful thing. And I told her about her life. She goes, what? I said, I know. 
Stuff I couldn't have known except for knowing God. God then tells you stuff, you say it, and then everybody's just like, what just happened? And so what's happening? It's happened right there on the street of Houston, on the street of Houston. I said, thank you for coming back and talking to me. I said, you're welcome for coming back and talking to you. And I went, headed to the car, and I'm pulling out. And Crystal said, did you go minister to somebody? I said, yeah. She said, who? And I looked over. And the couple that I had just talked to is witnessing to somebody else. I should quantify that. Because I always want to be upright. I can't imagine what they would have been talking about. I did not hear their words, but that's exactly what it looked like. Witnessing to somebody else. The point that I'm making is this. When you decide, according to 1 Chronicles 29, and that's where we're going, to do this thing with your whole heart, you'll start to see a change in your life that cannot be described, only experienced. When you start saying, I'm going to make the house of God, I'm going to focus and set my affection on the house of God because that's what Jesus cares about, the church you're going to see and experience something that cannot be explained, only participated in. The word of God is one of the few things, if not the only thing on the world, that you understand it when you do it and seldom understand it before that. That's why James, Jesus' brother, said it like this. Faith without works is dead. The minute we begin to do it, now we begin to see it and we begin to experience it. First, first Chronicles chapter number 29. Give me five more minutes. I want to share some truth right here where David, the Bible says he's standing in front of the disciples. Excuse me. He's standing in front of the guys that are with him, the captains of the guard, all the different people that are in his, in the uh, government and different parts of the kingdom at that time. And he talks about this, this huge offering that he's giving to build what we call Solomon's temple. Think about that. The same temple that you can fly to Jerusalem right now and pray at the Western Wall is the temple that we're fixing to read about that they paid for. The Bible says that David gave $6 billion of gold by himself. And when he did that, he challenged everybody around it. He said, who else wants to consecrate yourself with me by supplying for the house of God? Many people rose up and gave. Verse 10 says this, right after the, right after the offering, David said, he blessed the Lord. Before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Verse 11, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head above all. Verse 12, both riches and glory come of you. Riches and honor come of you. Riches and honor come from God. This is what David said. He said, and you reign over all. And in your hand is power and might. And in your hand, it is to make great and to give strength unto all. God wants to take your family from where it was to where it can be. And he, and he is strong enough to do it. He said, now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. 
We're about to set the atmosphere. We didn't do this first service. We're about to set the atmosphere. He's standing in front of the people. He's making these proclamations. Sounds exactly like the Lord's prayer. For thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. And thine is the glory. And this is written way before that. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. He pursued God's own heart. And I believe he had a revelation of some things that we can still benefit from today. But he's sitting there and he's going over and over some of the goodness of God. He said, yours, Lord, you are. uh, uh, uh." He said, yours is the glory. Yours is the victory. Yours is the majesty. He said, it is yours. He said, you are head above all. He is magnifying God. And when he's magnifying God, the atmosphere is beginning to change. He said, both riches and honor come from you. In other words, he wasn't saying, oh God, you made me poor. I wish we'd just read the Bible and believe it. He said, riches and honor come from you. He said, you reign over all And in your hand is power and might. And in your hand it is to make great. It is your good pleasure to bless your people. And to give strength unto all. Verse 13. And our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Why don't you take 20 seconds right now and put your hands together. And just thank God that you have air in your lungs. Come on, give God some praise in his holy house. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my home. Thank you that you've set my feet on a solid rock. Thank you, Lord God, for healing me, for setting me free. Thank you that there's no drugs in my arm today. Thank you that there's no drugs in my mouth today. Thank you that my children will rise up and prosper. Thank you, Lord God, that you bless me in my coming in. You bless me in my going out. A thousand may fall on one side and 10,000 at my right hand. But it'll never come near my dwelling. I dare you to give God thanks for what he's done in your life. So many times we forget. We're talking about the God of heaven and earth. We're talking about the one who flung the stars in the sky. And drug his finger through the landscape and told the rivers where to go. I'm talking about God. I'm talking about the Alpha and the Omega. David said, David said, it's yours, God. Please be seated. I'm almost done. It's yours. He said, he said, it belongs to you. He said, it's your glory. People go today and they they fly. It's their life's ambition to go and cover their head and take a piece of paper and roll it up into a tight little scroll and go to that wall and put their hand on it where the heroes of faith once stood. They shake back and forth and they put their prayers and petition in the bricks between the bricks of that building because somebody was willing to build God a house. It's not how, it's why. How are we going to do it? God's going to do it. Why are we going to do it? Because there's people that don't know yet. There's people that aren't washed in his blood. Do you know how free we really are? Do you know the value of freedom? God bless America, but if America fell tomorrow, I'm still free. Yes. 
when you start realizing why you're doing a thing, you stop weighing what would make you quit. You, you, stop, you stop putting your butt in the middle of everything. I love God, but... I know God's involved, but that's an indication of a small shadow, something that was cast on you and you never cast off. He said, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. And he said this, and this is how I feel. Who am I? What is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? One translation said that we're able to willingly give this much. For all things come of you. And of thine own have we given thee. We were strangers before you. Just like our fathers, our days on the earth, they're just like a shadow, like a little small shadow. Because even if you make 120 years and the scale of eternity is just a blink. So you can toss the small thinking And become a part of a bigger shadow. You can have the small shadow. I did this. Me, me, me. My, my, my. I, 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 I. Or you can sound like David. Say, I I don't even get you sometimes, God. You're celebrating what we're giving to you. But everything we have, you gave to us. So we're really just giving you what is yours. Who does that? It's then that you realize he's not just all powerful, all glorious, and all strong. He's also our father. How many of you in here have kids? Mine don't talk like this, and this is the truth. They don't. But if they ever said to you, I'm going to my room. I thought, if they ever said that to me, I would ask them, did you buy that room? But we, as parents, gladly celebrate what is in their possession. I'll give you an example. We went to Disney World a couple of weeks ago. Mask on, whole nine yards. To celebrate our baby turning nine. And while we were there, she wants to go into a store. So she goes into a store. And I didn't realize it when we left town, but she brought a wad of her own money. And she came out with a a hat with ears on it. I thought, that's cute. And then she showed it to me and it said, dad. And I was like, wait. 
she came out with a hat and it said, Disney Dad. And I'm not interested in anybody seeing a picture of that, but... Now, hang on a doggone minute. I want to also point out, I don't know if you guys can see this. This is a pink backpack with sparkles. Because when your offspring bring a thing, they will gladly cast their cares upon you. Come on, somebody. Can you carry this for me? Sure, baby. Praise the Lord. My point is this. She bought it with her own money. But where'd she get the money? But Crystal and I celebrated like that, celebrated that. Like she had mined for gold and found it all by herself. Because when it's your offspring you'll celebrate an ugly finger paint painting and stick it on your refrigerator because it's not about the how, it's about the why. So you can't just think of God as the general of all angel armies and forget he's still your daddy, your Abba Father. And I think that might have been what David had tapped into when he said, you're glorious, you're strong. He said, I love you. We gave all this. And then he's like, but, 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 but really? Like it's all yours anyway. Who, who are you that you are mindful of me? You made all this, yet you say, I'm the apple of your eye. How do you do that? How do you know everything about me that nobody else knows, but still call me your son? When the people that cast that shadow on you and that label that has been there for, decora- for decades left you and you looked over and Jesus is still standing beside you, who does that? You got to know the why. And you can't get trapped in the how. We're doing it for him. And we're not doing it like we're playing Scrabble or Pictionary. We're doing it with our whole heart. Because a thousand years from now, I want somebody to drive by or walk by or drive in their floating car, whatever it is. And say... There's the building where my family members first got saved. That's the place. I was talking to my uncle uh, about a week ago, and I'll never forget the day I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, Uncle, where was that place? He said, I don't even remember. He said, he said, I know it was in this part of this town. I said, Uncle, I said, I got to go. I got to go touch the place that God touched me. There's nothing about me the same. Colors got brighter. 
Music got more important. Everything changed when he changed me. And this is why we're building a bigger shadow because there are people that if we don't build a there for them, all they'll have is the little shadow of their life. I want to connect them to the one who throws the biggest shadow, the safe one, the strong one, the one that's better than we could ever come up with in a thousand sonnets, a million poems, all the literature of the world still pales in comparison to how good he really is. So with all that's within me, what I'm asking in this season is the same thing David said. Who wants to consecrate themselves with me and build something that becomes a place of shade in the daytime and cover from the storms of life? I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.